Good morning. Glad to have you here this morning. Mean that sincerely. I uh, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Part of our tradition, our family, when we get together, we go around the table and each one will share what they're thankful for, who they're thankful for the last year. Chris and I uh, hadn't, um, hadn't compared notes on what we were going to say, but we both said the same thing. One of the things we're very grateful for is for our church, for the position that we have here. We don't take for granted being here every weekend and being able to have you with us. And I wanted to tell you, it's great to be with you here this morning, and I do. I genuinely welcome you uh, here with us. On the way into all of the services, they hand you the notes. If you want to get those out in just a moment, I'll teach from that. Uh, if you want to use a pen or a device, or if you learn best by just sitting back and listening, whichever way works best for you, we're all for that right there. Uh, before we jump in, I've got just a couple of things that I want to talk about real quick and uh, maybe, maybe encourage you with. You saw us talk about the uh, Israel information trip, which happens next Saturday. It's at 5.30. It's here in the sanctuary. If you go to one of our other campuses, you're tuning in and you're like, well, uh, you know, that's when we have church at one of the other campuses. Here, here's the beautiful part about having multiple services. Go on Sunday, if that's the case, or come over here to the Lone Tree campus at 4 and join us after. But if you're interested in going to Israel, you'll want to make that meeting next Saturday. We'll talk about what we're going to do. Uh, we'll talk about what the itinerary is. We'll talk about the cost and how you can break it up in payments to pay for it. Most importantly, I'll also answer questions, maybe one of those things I get asked every time. Security issues, how safe is it, what will we do about certain situations. If you're interested in going, come to that meeting and uh, we'll, we'll try to answer those things for you. Coming to it doesn't obligate you to go, but if you are wanting to go, I do need you to make that meeting right there because the information that you'll need to make a decision will be in that meeting. And then uh, really, last but not least, two, two quick things. One, if you go to church here, um, I, I, I'm just going to make a statement. I have been out of the pulpit a lot in the last two and a half months, but with good reason. We have a son that plays football at Butler. This is his final year. Uh, he's actually, he was, he was a uh, medical red shirt, uh, tore his knee up last year. We thought we would be done at that point. Tore his knee up, decided to rehab it. Long, gruesome rehab, but he made it back, made the team. And Chris and I promised ourselves that this, this is it. We were going to make as many games as we could, just like if it were your child. You would want to do the same thing, but he goes to school back in the Mideast. And so a lot of our weekends, football games are on Saturday, we just committed we were going to make those games. I wanted to thank you for two things. One, I want to thank you for your incredible patience. Two, I want to thank you for not writing any ugly emails to me during that time about being gone. I truly, truly, I get it. I know what my job is, and I know that I was gone a lot. Uh, it's over now. Last weekend was the final game. It was in San Diego. What a place to end up at, right? Uh, high temperature last weekend in San Diego. Record temperature, 87 degrees. I really felt bad for you last, <laughs> last weekend. We had a great time. I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But I just wanted to thank you for the opportunity to, to go and do that. I really appreciate your patience. Uh, and while I was gone, and in particular the last two weeks with the last two games, Jonathan um, uh, Wood, Pastor Jonathan, and both Dan DeMay, I thought they just, man, two great messages, huh? And I wanted to recognize them and thank them for their efforts last week, last two weeks. I, I just thought... Really tremendous. It's, it's so beneficial to have a teaching team where it doesn't all fall on one person. Plus, the truth of the matter is, there's great anointing on these guys, and they bring it from their perspective, their place in life. And I think that makes our church stronger to have more than just one voice that's teaching. I think it makes it stronger. So I appreciate what they're doing 
uh, and, and really in the position to be able to, uh, to get away and enjoy that time with our son. Uh, let's go ahead and we'll jump into this right here. Uh, it's called Nativity. We're starting our Christmas message. Uh, you may be sitting there like, Christmas already? We just had Thanksgiving. Let me, let me speak to that real quick. Uh, one of the things that we do coming into the holidays, Chris and I gather the older grandkids and we go to a movie. Now, we've got, uh, at this point, seven grandkids, but only four of them go to the movies. We're brave, but we're not that brave. <laughs> With, with the little bitty ones. So we took the four older ones with us, and there's a new Charlie Brown movie that was out, and that's what they wanted to go see. So uh, we, we found ourselves at the movies a little more than a week ago, and we had the four there. And my grandson, Marcus, uh, he's my oldest grand boy. Marcus, it's really important for him right now, for whatever reason, he just likes to be with me. It's just, you know, papa, papa. So he was sitting next to me. The movie is almost over. I mean, we are three quarters of the way through the movie, and in a loud voice, he calls me Pops. He said, Pops! You know, I'm like, Marcus, shh. He goes, Pops, what is it? He goes, what are we doing here? (laughs) I said, well, we're watching a movie. He's kind of like, okay, good to go. Uh, My thought is, maybe you come here this morning and you're like, nativity, what are we doing here? Yes, ready or not, it's Christmas. It is upon us and off we go as we talk about it. So we're going to spend some time talking about the birth of Christ, focusing on Jesus for the next 30 days, really making it about him. Here's my hope in this, and I I, I say this a little later in the message, I want to restore the awe and the joy of what God has done for us at Christmas time. And it's easy for adults to lose that. It's not that the importance of what God did uh, somehow becomes less important, but here's what I know. From the time an event happens in our life, The further away we get from it, it becomes more cerebral and less about what's going on in our heart. Do you understand what I mean by that? And what I would like to do for you today is to restore the joy, the awe, the glory of what God has done for us and how much he loves us. When I'm writing the message, I began with this thought right here. I want to talk about giving presents where it comes from. Most of you probably recognize the tradition of giving gifts at Christmas time comes from a story in the Bible. The wise men went on a journey to find the baby Jesus, and when they found him, they brought him gifts. You remember the story. Now, we have a way when we read those things because it's so condensed and it's edited, and then we see a Hollywood version of it that makes it so so clean. We don't understand. This journey for the wise men took well more than a year. The Bible says that they were able to interpret the signs and the stars, and they recognized that a particular position of a star meant the birth of a Savior. So they actually began a journey more than a year prior to the event to find the Christ child. When they found him, they bring the gifts to him. It's an amazing tradition that we then pick up at Christmas, and we give gifts. But here was the thought that came to me, and I wrote it this way. Who ever heard of throwing a birthday party for someone And everybody shows up with gifts for each other, but nothing for the person whose birthday is being celebrated. How strange is that? Let me put it in context for you. If you had a birthday party and invited your friends and they all showed up, but they bring gifts for each other and leave you out, how weird is that? Yes? No? Do you agree? Here it comes at Christmas time where it's all supposed to be about Jesus, yet we make it about everyone else but him many times. So here's my thought for you, believer. What gift will you give God for his birthday this year? Would you give him your time? Would you give him your love? Thank you. Would you give him your life? I know it's kind of weird to think in terms of like bringing God a gift. 
The truth of the matter is he doesn't want our stuff. Do you know what he wants? He wants you. That's what it's all about. The focus of Christmas, as much as it's about Jesus, is really the story of God's abiding love for us, his passion for his people. And somehow in the midst of all the commercialism and all the things that happen, we get away from what it's really all about. If I could restore that to you, beginning today, gosh, I would consider it successful. I'm going to switch the emphasis right now, and rather than getting you to think about what you can do for God, I want to talk about what he's done for us. I want to talk about three gifts that he's given us at Christmas time. I'm going to use the simple story that most of us are familiar with, whether you've heard it in church or maybe you see the Charlie Brown Christmas and you've seen it there. It's the story, the scripture that's used to explain the Christmas story. It's three verses of scripture. I'll set it up this way. Joseph and Mary, who were pregnant with Jesus, a census had gone out in the time that they lived. Rome was the governing power. Rome wanted to count the number of citizens that it had in foreign countries so that it could figure out how much to tax the nation. So the decree was sent out that you needed to go to where your father's ancestors were from. And because it was Joseph, his house, they had to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So they undertake a journey with Mary late in her pregnancy, a difficult journey at best. They end up in Bethlehem at a time when it's already past when they should have got there. All of the inns are filled. There's no place for them. She's about to give birth, and they've got to find a place. And the best that can be offered to them is a place where the horses, the sheep, the cattle are taken care of. It's a manger. And so into a manger... The story begins with Jesus being born. At the same time, whenever God wants to announce something, he uses his angels. Angels, literally, the word means messenger. When God wants to get the word out, he would send one of his messengers. The Bible says that he sent an angel to proclaim what was going on in this town. We pick the story up in Luke chapter 2, verses 9. The Bible says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The them are just shepherds. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear, awe, wonder, respect. And then I want you to pay attention to what the angel says. The angel announces to them, fear not. I said this in the last service. How good is it that the angel didn't begin his declaration with, be full of fear. <laughs> How nice that the message from God to us begins with, fear not. I mean, it could be for so many people, the misunderstanding that God is angry, that God is mad. When you ask people today, how does God feel about them? That simple message of God loving them gets so convoluted in the place that we live at today, yes or no? People think that God is mad or that it's God's judgment or that God is out to get us. The truth of the matter is, God loves you. And his message begins with the most profound statement, fear not. I love that right there. Fear not. And then he brings them the full announcement this way, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Say that with me, all people. No, when I say say that with me, your mouth opens and words come out, all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. According to this small passage of scripture, God gives us three gifts right here. The first one, the gift of celebration. Fear not, I bring you good news. Church, let me just announce this very quickly to you. Part of the awe of Christmas, part of the joy of Christmas, part of the fun of Christmas is seeing a kid on Christmas Day, yes or no? Yes. 
I mean, when you get to be an adult, somewhere I get it. We lose that ability to have that anticipation. We get what's behind the scenes. We get more of the cost of it and the busyness of it and all the commercialization of it. But a kid doesn't get that, do they? A kid is awed and in wonder and full of joy. And part of what makes it fun for a parent or a grandparent is seeing how that kid reacts on that day. It's just the joy of it. Let me say this to you. I think what our Father would want from us is to have the anticipation, the joy, the celebration of getting what God has done for us. To anticipate with great desire. This time of year, we celebrate the birth of the King of Kings. The fact that our God loves us. And somehow in church, somehow we have lost that ability to celebrate with great passion. We get it in our heads, and I've said this for how many years, the distance from here to here is way more than 12 inches. It can be miles for some people. For some people, they've never experienced it in their heart. They get it with their brain, and so they're reverent. They're quiet. And maybe your idea of awe is to stand there, ooh, But somewhere in this, it's not fear not, be quiet. It's fear not, rejoice. Because God loves you and cares for you. God, the church was given the wonderful responsibility to carry forth the celebration of what God has done for us. Here's my question to you. Who does better at celebrating, the world or the church? Shouldn't the church be the best at celebrating? Shouldn't the world look at us and go, those people know how to party? Here's what I told him. I just whined just a little bit. It's all it takes, and boom, off he goes. <laughs> Celebration. Uh, I, I think part of a pastor's job, here's Proverbs says, know the condition of your flocks so that you know how to feed them or how to treat them or how to lead them. And I think it's sort of a word to, to shepherds, like see where your people are at so that you know how to teach. Does that make sense? Don't, don't just teach whatever, but you're, the group of people God's given you, find out what they need. So when we come into a new series, a lot of times I just ask people, hey, what's your opinion about? And then I just shut up and listen. So in the last six weeks, I've been asking, tell me about Christmas. Tell me about your traditions. Tell me about how you feel about it. Tell me how you think about it. Here, here's some of the funny things that I've heard over the last two weeks. I had some people tell me, you know, here's the problem with Christmas. We don't even know if it's actually Jesus' birthday. I had some people tell me, you know, it's become such a pagan thing Uh, All all the symbols of Christmas are really pagan things that we've taken to our house. And then I had somebody tell me it's just so expensive or it's so pressurized or there's just so much that's expected that makes it unfun. I'm going to say this to you in the kindest of terms. You're missing the point entirely. You're letting the world influence how you feel about the greatest gift that's ever been given. And all of those things are possibly true. Maybe we don't know the exact date. Maybe there are some symbols that are pagan and we've adopted them. Maybe it is overpressurized. Maybe it's commercialized. Put it all aside and focus on this one thing. God is passionately crazy in love with you and he sent Jesus to prove it. And that should excite you. That should put you, that should set you on fire. And if not, your wood's wet. You need to do something about it. <laughs> we miss the point entirely when we begin to agree with the world what Christmas is about. We have the message. We have the light. We have the story. That's what we've got to hold on to. We can't lose that. Some of you sit here right now and you're just thinking, Pastor, what you're asking is impossible because after a certain age, how, how can you be awed? How, how can you be... <laughs> How can you find that joy in it? Maybe it's why Jesus says, unless you become like a little child, 
you don't enter into the kingdom of God. You know, actually, he's not talking about heaven right here either. This isn't heaven and hell. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Here's what Jesus is teaching. Unless you can receive the kingdom with the innocence of a child, it's very difficult to experience righteousness, peace, and joy in your life. So here's my question. How many of you need more peace and joy in your life this time of year? Here's a key. The emphasis of this time of year is not on the stuff, but you need to focus on him. You need to make it about him again. And if you can do this, you can restore an awe in your life that's really wonderful. So I know what I'm talking about. Growing up, the holidays were a terrible time in my family. Come from somewhat of a dysfunctional background. And it seemed like the pressure that was always on my family would be exposed more between Thanksgiving and New Year's than at any other time. Anybody else relate to that? It was like 45 days of hell. Sorry, man. It was a difficult time. And I remember into adulthood, I bring all of that baggage. And then I marry Mrs. Claus. Chris has always brought the greatest joy to all the things we celebrate. Now she decorates and she just goes all out so that the memories for the kids are just tremendous. And I used to be the Scrooge. Why are you doing this? It's, it's so much work. It's going to make you so tired. I, and finally, she's just like, please don't ruin this for me. You're ruining it. And asking myself, why? And I... We don't really know if this is the proper time, and it's just expensive, and it's just busy, and we just... I lost the meaning for why we were doing what we were doing. I know what I'm talking about right now. The joy that's restored to a believer when you focus on Christ, and when you make it about him, and you remember why and how much in the abiding love of God, folks, it can change your life instant. Here's the truth. If you're a believer, every season can be a great season. Every season. Let me give you the second gift according to this scripture. In context, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Here's the second part. This news and this joy will be for all the people, all the time, everywhere. The second gift that God gives us is the gift of reconciliation for all people. Not just for us, but for all people. My favorite scripture in the Bible. This is not very relevant to you. You don't need to remember this, but let me just encapsulate this for you. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and then a couple of other after that. This is my favorite scripture in the Bible for this reason. I think it encapsulates God's heart towards us. And if you can hear what I'm about to say, this may be could be the motivation for why you should listen to me today. The second gift that he gives us according to this is that we're not to fear, we're to receive it with great joy because this is for all people. It's the gift of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, listen to this, if anyone is in Christ, anyone, anyone, any place, any time, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old has passed away, the new has come. Now listen to this. All of this comes from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. 
That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins and trespasses against them. And he's entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Look at me. If you're a believer, you've been given the wonderful task and the simple message of reconciliation, which is this. God is not angry, God is not mad, and God has done everything that it takes for us to have peace with him through Jesus, and if you want to be reconciled to God, you can have that relationship. That's our message. And if we would hold that message and make our lives about that message, we could win a world, but we make it about all the stuff that you have to do. Yes or no? We turn it into religious and to, 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 to so many things that God never even spoke of. The simple message is reconciliation. So let me speak to it directly. In the last two weeks, we looked again around our world at Paris. How many of you were transfixed at that and thought, my God, what's happening to us again? And then here's the truth. As I asked that question, many people were like, I just kind of shrugged it off because I'm getting used to it. That's horrible. The answer for our world today is not better security. Look at me real quick. It's not better security, as important as it is. The answer for our world today is the reconciling message of Jesus that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and this comes from God, not from me. The hope for our world, the light. When God wrote these words, he knew the importance that it would be in 2015. The hope for this world is not bigger walls, and more isolation. The hope for this world is to win a heart and therefore change the future. In reverse, the enemy's done a very good job at winning the hearts of certain people so that it then manifests for their future. And we're living with some of that terror today. Yes or no, that's what's going on. The answer for this world, look at me one more time. The answer for this world is Jesus. Amen. And if you're a believer, hear my words, if you're a believer and you don't believe that, why are you in church this morning? What is your possible hope here other than Jesus being the answer to everything in life? Amen. Do you believe that? That's our answer. Now, don't think I'm an idiot. There are evil people, and they need to be dealt with accordingly. But we can't lump everybody in the world into evil. We must reach them with the message of Jesus. Do you agree? Yes. Listen, our missions next year, our focus... Primarily, we're not forgetting about other places or other needs, but primarily our focus will be the 1040 window. That's longitude and latitude. More Muslims live in that place in our globe than any place else. We're focusing on that for this reason. We are the light of the world and we need to bring it to dark places. Do you agree with that? Pray, give, go. Let's do something about it. The church cannot adopt the ideologies of the world and throw our hands up in terror. We must invade this earth. Yes. Am I preaching to the choir or where are you? You know what I know? Here's the problem with coming into a message after Thanksgiving. Everybody's sluggish. Yes or no? You eat for 36 hours, unabated. 48? I didn't want to say. We just eat, and we eat, and we eat, and we make it about, and then we come to church, and the guy yells at us. <laughs> Be excited! Oh, please, pastor, anything but that. <laughs> the light of the world. The light of the world. Listen, I got a really funky analogy. Give me some leeway. 
So why should you give me leeway? I've been here 18 years, and I've pastored for 30, so give me some leeway. Our last game with David was a week ago, Saturday, in San Diego, University of San Diego. Butler plays San Diego. And Chris and I, we knew it would be warmer than here, but we didn't know how warm. I mean, they're experiencing record temperature. So we're sitting at the stadium, and I am just pouring sweat. I mean, it's just bad. So I tell her, I, I, I didn't bring a hat. I, I've got to go find a hat. All right, so do the calculation real quick. I'm at the University of San Diego. What kind of hats do they sell? Not Butler hats, yeah. San Diego hats. So I find this honking big hat to keep the sun off of me, but it says San Diego on the top of the hat. So I got on the Butler shirt and the San Diego hat. Chris is like, don't even sit down here by us. You just stay up there at the top. So I'm watching the game, and the ball moves down the field, and I go to the other end of the stadium so I can see the play. Well, now I'm down where all the San Diego people are at. And they're not exactly sure, is he friend or foe? His hat says San Diego, but his heart says Butler. Where's this guy at? So I'm standing on the rail, and there's this big guy standing next to me, and he is all decked out in San Diego stuff. Well, Butler moves down the field. They make a touchdown, and just the automatic response, I just, yes! Have you ever done that and looked around and nobody else is cheering? Has that ever, <laughs> ever happened to you? You know you're in hostile territories. Has that ever happened? Yeah! And the guy goes, who are you for? And I said, well, my hat says San Diego, but my heart's for Butler, and here's why. That's my son. And my son blew his knee out last year, and he rehabbed, and he made it all the way back to this point. And this is his last game he's played since he was seven. And do you know what it is for me to sit here and watch him play ball right now? And the guy next to me starts cheering for my son. <laughs> Not for Butler, but for my son. Amen. If we could ever get the message about the son to the places that don't understand who he is and what he's done for them. The ability to reach past surface secular issues into the heart of a person. It's there. Do you get me? Yeah. It's there if you can penetrate the level. It's there. Now, you may be going, Pastor, how can you compare people that are hateful and vengeful and full of terror with a football game? You should have seen those fans. No, I, I, I'm not. I'm equating the reality that the message is the same. That if we can make it about the son and explain to people what the son's done, we have the chance to change a heart. It worked for you. So you may be sitting here thinking that doesn't work. Um, a month ago, we had a young man from the Middle East here on a student visa that found JFC. I mean, miraculous story. And the guy comes to us, and after a short, he just goes, I want to give my heart to Christ. And one of my pastors goes, uh, why? Not, he couldn't believe it, but just, why are you doing this? And here was the short answer. He said, the God that my people serve is always angry. And the God that you serve seems like he loves. What a short answer. So they lead him to Christ. And then we had a baptism a couple weeks ago, and we tell him, hey, why don't you get baptized? And the guy goes, I don't want to wait a month. What's wrong with today? So they take him over to the Lone Tree Rec Center. And in the swimming pool at Lone Tree Rec Center, they baptize this guy in front of everybody. And he Skypes his family in so they can watch it. And they're crying as they watch their son get baptized. I, 
Sometimes what God is able to do blows me away. I sat there and scratched. I, here, my mind, is, is this real? Why is this guy doing this? Because when people discover the sun, it changes lives. And we forget that. The further we are from when it happened to us, the more it becomes cerebral and less about the power in our hearts. Do you agree with that statement? And we must be intentional to remind ourselves of what it is in our heart that God has done. It's the final gift. According to the scripture that he's given us, it's the gift of salvation. So in context, fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And then this sentence, unto you is born in the city of David a what? A what? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. The gift of salvation, a Savior. When I wrote this, I thought to myself, on a logical chain of events, maybe you would just ask yourself, why do we need a Savior? God says you need one, you need one. But let's go light, let's go shallow. This time of year, many of you are going to gather together with family and it exposes things. And for some of you, you need to be saved from anger and from a past and from disappointment. But on a deeper note, here's what the Bible says about us. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. And God, through his great mercy and love for us, took the responsibility upon himself, something you and I could never fix. We could never bring ourselves back to life. God sent Jesus to take our place. He got our death so we could have his life. And if you want to be reconciled to God, it's as simple as asking him today. Be merciful to me. Reconcile me. The gift of salvation. Maybe the greatest gift ever given. It's available today. Sort of when I think about my audience, I realize many of you are here today because you made that decision. But I know at any given time we have people here who have never made that decision. I meet with my staff before we teach a message and we always talk about what does God want to do at the end of it? How do we want to make ourselves available for ministry? What should God do? I thought, here we are talking about the gift of salvation. Wouldn't it be wonderful to help facilitate for people who want that, the chance to find salvation today? So that we're clear, I'm not inviting you to join our church. I'm not asking you to get religion or reform. Here's what I'm asking. Do you want the gift of reconciliation that God offers? That I believe you love me, I believe you sent Jesus so that I could have life, and I want to be reconciled to you. Be merciful to me. Don't make it about everything else right now. Maybe you have 10,000 questions. The place of beginning is to come to God in faith. Be merciful to me. Reconcile me to you. If you sit and listen to this message and say to yourself, okay, pastor, I've never heard that before or thought about it in those terms, and I would like that. I want to pray for you. Before I do that, I want you to understand I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to make you stand. I'm not going to parade you around or embarrass you. This isn't between me, you, and God, or you, the person sitting next to you, and God. It's between you and God. My job is just simply to facilitate right now. 
And if in your heart, that's your cry, God, save me. God, help me. God, be merciful to me. God, reconcile me. In the sincerity of your heart, God will hear you. And he'll do exactly what he said he would do. So pray with me. Father, we take a moment right now just to focus the part of our day on the most important issue. And that would be what God is saying to us. Whether you're a regular attender or a visitor this weekend, let me throw this opportunity out to you. Have you been reconciled to God? Maybe I should ask it this way. Do you want to be reconciled to God? Do you want his mercy and do you want his grace? Do you need his love? And do you want his salvation? While Jesus clearly died for every man, woman, and child who's ever lived and will live, the truth of the matter is it's only appropriated when we say to him, I need that. I want that. Help me. And if you find yourself in that place today where you're like, Pastor, I want that reconciliation. I need that relationship. I want God's mercy. Please remember me when you pray. Just slip your hand up right now. Just pray for me, John. I need that. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, you can put them back down after you lift them up. I'm going to ask this. If you wished you to raise your hand, but you didn't have the courage, do it right now. Just pray for me. Okay, I see you. I see you. Yep. Okay, put them back down. So what do we pray and what do we do? It's not saying particular words that God pays attention to. There's not a magic formula. It's with sincerity just to say to him, be merciful to me. You may not understand anything and everything, but do you understand God loves you and has made a way possible for you to be in relationship with him? Then that's what you say to him. I believe that. Help me. Forgive me. Restore me. Father, for those right now in sincerity who cry out to you, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you that you pay attention when we cry out of our need for you. Thank you that you're moved with compassion today. Thank you that the very motivation that sent Jesus to us is still available for every person in here. Lord, be merciful. Be reconciling. Draw us to yourself. And thank you for loving us this morning. God, thank you for loving us. If you happen to be a person who prayed that a long time ago, who made that decision, here would be my hope for you. That during this season that we call Christmas, God could restore the awe, the life. Here, here's what I pray. The condition of your soul would be joy. And that as you move into this season, instead of being caught up in all the other things, you would focus on how much God loves you and the gift that he's given you and that the condition of your soul would be joyful. 
There's so much life in God's joy. May he restore that to you. May he reinvigorate that inside of you. May you find a simplicity in your faith to just simply believe God loves me. God cares for me. God draws close to me and I want to draw close to him. And may God renew that inside of you this season. I bless this now in his name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, church.